Hello, and welcome to Educational Triage, where we discuss issues in alternative education. This is a discussion about teaching by teachers, for teachers, and others who are interested in the alternative education world. We hope you find today's episode relevant, engaging, and useful. And if you do, please subscribe. I'm Tony Hunt, and I'm here to help guide you with the help of my friends, Christy and Philip. And we're back with <laughs> Educational Triage, and I'm here tonight with the wonderful Christy Goodell. Hello. Hey, Christy. Um, and Philip is not with us tonight. He had some family things come up, so he will be joining us next week when we reconvene. Yeah. Um, so... Anyway, Christy, this is different for you because usually you're the one that's gone and Philip I is know. here. So yeah. the roles have reversed. That that's is That's right. <laughs> so turn of the tables. Um <laughs> and tonight we're and oh, I also need to bring up the fact that two of us are off on new adventures. I know, <laughs> right? Right? I mean, you are off going to another district yep with another job yep yeah next year and i am off on new horizons with my retirement yeah i know so, i mean there's lots of changes right it's kind of oh, yeah. it's a little it's it's an exciting freak out right like i don't know if yeah. that's the right way to describe it but yeah kind of kind of mix things up it'll be it's well, change good. sometimes is really good, and it just yeah. kind of gives us another learning curve and keeps us from being too sedate. Yes, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, because I know that I'll still be involved in a lot of different um, organizations and different communities, and I'll still be doing the good work. Yes. But I get to sleep in. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Jealous on that one. Yeah, yeah you should be. Um, yeah. But anyway, so tonight we're going to talk about what is the purpose of education? I know. Just a very narrow topic, right? Just a very narrow <laughs> topic. And the reason why I brought this up is because everybody's always chomping at the bit to have their version of what is education mm -hmm. heard and everybody wants to get into the schools everybody wants to have their say about something and i think that it's necessary for us to maybe take a look at what are the purposes of what what you know what is the goal what is what are we trying to do when we yeah. educate when the kids come to school what is what is the main purpose and Everything else might be, would we say, derivative of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like the big the big mantra, and then everything kind of stems off of that, right? Right. It's like education is the big cloud, and everything else are the little drops that come out, the <laughs> mist, the hail, the sleet, the snow. Oh, boy. Or yeah. Whatever. Okay. I know. Well, we can work on our metaphor. <laughs> I always, you know... It seems like there's always like a tree, right? Like the roots of the tree and the. Yeah, but that gets so massive. I mean, look at your family trees and. Yeah, everything. You can't a tree. get them on a page. Yeah, 
have and I to think work we on our metaphors. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So education, I went and I did a Google. I, I did what our students do. I right. Googled what is education and I kept coming <laughs> up with so many different, so many different things, but basically most of them had something to do with schooling. Right. It has to do with discipline. It has to do with learning. It has to do with training, has to do with figuring out a way to process. Um, one, one that I really appreciated was having an enlightened experience. Oh, that sounds very positive. I really like that yeah, one. That's a nice I mean, one. So why don't we go with that one? To become enlightened? To become enlightened. And what does it mean to become enlightened? To have a higher aspect of appreciation? I think the big thing is just being able to hear and learn and experience different points of view. I think beyond your, I mean, as best you can, right? Um, because, you know, your school kind of reflects your community. So, you right, like your district. So if your district is a certain narrow demographic versus a variety, a wide demographic, right? You're going to have different experiences, but I think it allows you to um, experience and yeah, kind of, I kind of got lost in my own thoughts. Um, just different points of view and learn to be how to interact with them and not necessarily like everybody thinks the same, right? But a lot of it's right. just that how do you interact with people? How do you behave and perform in a society and work together to achieve certain goals, right? So and I, I think, think that goes a big part of it. Right. And I think that goes to Peter Gray when he wrote um, his, his essays and he talks about the freedom of choice in learning and allowing students or children to go around and choose and direct their own learning. And the fact that it's an evolutionary process that it's already there inside of ourselves where mm -hmm. when we're young, we want to know everything. And so we're constantly asking questions. I mean, just look at a little kid. What does, right. what does this do? What is this? What is that? What's that? Yeah. And, the curiosity part. Mm -hmm. And where the parents are pulling their hair out, which is why they're <laughs> bald by the time that they're the kid is about three years old. Right. Um, and you know, there's just this whole inquisitive nature about everything and how it works. But it also helps children formulate their own ideas about how society works and what their place in society might yeah. be and how to function and what are the rules of what right. they are going to be doing. How to be a member of your society. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what and so that was one way of looking at it. Um, mm -hmm. Others might say, you know, it's a way to apprentice yourself in order to, or obtain the skills that you need to have in order to produce. Right. Like career-wise, right? To get a job mm -hmm. and how can you contribute to your community or society um, I, you, and I think that's kind of changed over time, right? Because that used to be the, for a while, like we talked about that on podcasts, like you are learning skills in order to, um, you know, originally it was like, not originally, but 
at one point to work in factories to how mm-hmm. to, you know, the school system was built around families and working on the farm, right? That's right. how a lot of oh, it was. And there's still districts that work around the agrarian mm-hmm. yeah. aspects. So they have their vacations, they, they cut them short, they make them a little bit longer, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think there's still an undercurrent of that for schooling is how to, you know, there's the education part of it, you know, a lot of, a lot of times families or parents are just like, we want the basics, you know, the reading, the writing, the math, like your core academics. And, Mm -hmm. but then I think there's a lot of just becoming uh, productive, how to become a productive member of your society. How can you contribute to your society, how to be a member. And, you know, that's just being educated in, in knowledge about politics and voting and how laws work, but then also the career part of it. How are you going to become and develop to be a member of your society, but you can work and be earn money so you can live, right? So you're right. So you have a purpose. Yeah, you have a purpose. Right. So right. it's just a big blend of that to different degrees. Right. right. And there There is a book um, by Sir Ken Robinson and Kate Robinson, and it's What is Education For? And they break it down that um, into four categories. And so education is learning, education, training, and school. But they're all. But they say that there's differences between them. Mm-hmm. Um, learning is the process of acquiring new skills and understanding. Education is an organized system of learning. Mm-hmm. Training is a type of education that is focused on learning specific skills. Right. And a school is a community of learners, a group that comes together to learn with and from each other. Yeah. And so, because. I know that when I am learning and I'm self-directed, I, I can't stop. I mean, it's like, it's like having a really good ice cream sundae mm-hmm. or something else. You know, I mean, if you think about something that really gets you going. Um, yeah. Not Joe's. No? Okay. That's just Not me. mine? No. Sorry. No. Bad joke. <laughs> um, yeah. Not no. Joe's. It's, it's, it's. I mean, because you become almost ravenous mm-hmm. in trying to in trying to get as much information as you possibly can. So I would like us to start thinking about what is the purpose of education today, and we can we can bandy some things around because I think education, I know that we're looking more at CTE because we want students to be able to look at going into a career. Mm-hmm. And to me, some of that just feels too predetermined for students. What do you, what do you mean? Um, like we're, we're telling them what the career they're going to have too soon kind of predetermination or? Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels that way where, I mean, I think it's wonderful to be able to have CTE classes and kids are in there, but are we putting a whole lot of bonus on the students because if we teach them computer programming, if we teach them auto mechanics, or if we do all these things, are we locking them into one route or are we broadening their horizons 
because they should be taking a variety of classes of CTE. Yeah, I, I mean, I told, I get that perspective. I get that, and then, but I could counter with: Is it exciting for a student to find something that you are passionate about at a mm-hmm. young age when you still have that, you know, youth and energy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as I'm like <laughs> dragging myself across the finish line, and it's like eight o'clock at night. Um, so, is it something where you have discovered your passion and your interest at a young age where you still have a lot of time and opportunity to develop that passion and become a, a learning, right? Like you've discovered your Mm -hmm. purpose where a lot of students, when they don't know what they're going to do, that kind of, it's hard for them to engage in their education, right? Cause they're like, I don't, why am I I going to use any of this? Yeah. I don't see any value in this. I mean, I'm still Mm -hmm. having those conversations just today. I really would like you to, you know, try and retake this test. I know you can do better. And I feel that, you know, this, you had a bad pocket and eh, I don't really feel like it. I don't care. Can I care for you more? You know? So, I mean, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I, I, I totally get like, it's tracking versus finding your passion, right? It's, it's kind of that, that. it's Mm -hmm. that double-edged sword. Right. So yeah, I totally get that. Do you think that, do you think that students though might be pigeonholing themselves and maybe a little bit myopic because they really like doing this. And so this is their career path right now, because we know that by the time that maybe they're 24, 25, they may have divergent thoughts that Mm -hmm. take them away from that career. And they may want to go into a completely different direction. Uh, Yes, for good and for bad for, to make it really, you know, bare bones. Mm -hmm. Right. I think, I think both are true. I think it's great that if a student is like you gave the example of automotive and just because our school has a really strong automotive Mm -hmm. program. And so, and a lot of students flock to it and they really enjoy it and they like it and they are finding a career, but you're right. Is it because they found their passion in something they're talented in, or is it that they are staying there because it's safe and it's something that they feel Right. comfortable in and they're not pushing themselves into other areas that they also could be talented in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think a, that is a dilemma that I think education continues to struggle with within different boundaries. You have only eight choices. And so I'm going to stick with this one that I know and I'm comfortable in and I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. in rather than take this. I only have one of eight. And then if you take all their cores away, right, you've got one out of two. So you know, they just don't have the time or the flexibility to dabble their toe in a lot of different stuff, right? So for some right. students, they're going to stick with, you know, I love theater. Theater is safe for me. I'm comfortable in it. It's it's my passion. I'm good at it. So I'm going to stick with this versus mm-hmm. or, muse, you know, insert category here. But yeah, it's hard. But do we? Okay, so let's go. I mean, we can do theater. I've we answered can do... nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you actually did because you spurred on some thoughts. There we go. So so if a student is in auto mechanics mm-hmm. or even if they're in theater right. or they're in journalism or they're in whatever, right. are we also looking at the other careers and the other ideas of where those skills could be used? So auto mechanics. 
Are we looking at being able to work as a machinist? Are we mm -hmm. looking at being able to do different kinds of uh, mechanical repair? Mm -hmm. Are we looking because companies, manufacturers, and even companies that go out someplace, they need, they need people who can fix their equipment because yeah. equipment does break down and it becomes mm. very expensive. So they want people who have that kind of experience. Are we engaging students at that level as well? Or are we just keeping them within the confines of auto mechanics? Right. For theater, are we looking at students? Are we teaching them how to do set design, lighting? Are we looking at directing? Are we looking at PR? Are we mm -hmm. looking at arts management? Arts management is a fantastic field for that. Right, right. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're not a good actor. It just means that this is another possibility where you might actually find something. And mm -hmm. it, it requires a master's degree and um, in many cases. But it's a lot of management. So, you know, you might find... In journalism, what else is there in journalism? I mean, there's editing, there is blogging, there right. are a number of things that you could be looking at. So how how wide a net are we casting when we put students into those classes? Yeah, that's, you know, and it, then it comes down to, you know, time and resources, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have do you have both of those that you can take the time to explore? Hey, you really are enjoying this category. Here's all like my son's a perfect example. He loves history and is, you know, Hey, we're all going to watch a family movie. Oh, we're going to watch Das Boot again. You know, <laughs> like for him, he <laughs> loves it. World mm -hmm. War II and all that stuff. And for me, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. I will watch it again because I love you and that's your interest. But I'm just like, good golly, really more war. Um, but, you know, <laughs> taking this interest and he's in new advanced history classes and that kind of stuff, which is great. But then how do you morph that into a a sustainable career? What are all those different areas? Can you be, you know, a researcher? Are you working in like, you know, like you said, in editing, you know, Ken Burns, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you on that part mm -hmm. of it? A documentarian. Or, yeah. Or even putting together all the, the film clips with it or fact checking, like there's all this different part than just being like, I'm going to teach history, boring. Or, you know, he also enjoys sports, but you know, becoming a professional athlete is not the easiest thing to do no. um, in terms of job security, but there's a lot of stuff around the area of sports. So like kind of backtracking is like, how can one figure out those job options in enough time to be able to develop it and then go after your passion and figure it out in time to get the training that you need and how much does it right. cost and um like and then or figure out if that truly is what you want to do and is it employable and you know how to learn what are the needs for it and um the training and yeah it's yeah well yeah i mean if you wanted to be a sports historian yeah, right. I or even know. a sports writer. I mean, you need to have the background for that. Mm -hmm. If maybe you're going to do something with um, historical movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
you know, well, how do you do how do you do sports in wartime? Right. You know, I mean, what was yeah. the genesis? Why, what happened during that? You know, what impact did the wars have on on sports worldwide? Yeah. I mean, because we had the movie uh, about Louis Zepparini, um, Unbroken. Unbroken. And then. Do I know yeah. that movie? Do I know that? Yeah, movie? it's a book. Yeah, and it's a really good book. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, the and at the same time that they were there, that Zapparini was was competing in the Olympics in Berlin. I think it was in Berlin. It was, or maybe it was Munich. It was in Germany during uh-huh. Hitler in thirty six. And then you had also the book, The Boys in the Boat, which is about the University of Washington crew team. And they they were they competed at the same Olympics. So, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that you find out that's that's, you know, sort of synced up. And that's that in itself is fascinating. And um, but you I think you have to be in the right mind frame to find that interesting. Not everybody would. True. Yep. Because because I mean, (laughs) sometimes. You are interested in war movies, and sometimes you're not, right, Christy? Yes, and that is our family in a nutshell, right? And so all those, all those pieces, and so you know, kind of going back to our original question, what is the purpose? You know, for him, mm-hmm. it's figuring out he does really like these certain categories, and then what are some areas that he could find gainful employment to kind of circle back to what you were saying about like, how does he contribute to the economy? How is he a, what were the four categories? One of the, the last one, right. was like how you are being a training. successful, yeah. The training part, the um, learning education in school. Yeah. And being productive and then have it be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of what I'm hoping that he, but it's such a fine line because there's also parts of it is like, you're not going to find purpose in your passion every single day at school. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right? You don't find purpose in anything every single day. Right. True. True, true, true. And so sometimes it is just kind of finding what interests you, but also pushing you outside your comfort zone. You've mm-hmm. got to kind of have a, a little healthy blend of both so that you can interact with others who do have different experiences and different points of view and be able to relate to them. And you need to be able to listen to that and you need to be able to ingest it and then take some feedback. Mm -hmm. And if you hear things that you disagree with, you have to think about why am I disagreeing with that? And then say, question yourself, because I think you also need to have a sense of Mm self-awareness. And... Because if somebody says something that you don't like, you can't just say, I don't like that, because that doesn't really mean anything. Right. I How don't like, th- I don't, I'm, I'm not appreciating what you're saying because blah, 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 blah. I mean, <laughs> you have to be able to say something. Right. And, um, but in doing that, that's how we learn from each other. And maybe we've kind of gotten away from that because social media has taken such a strong strong position in our lives where everybody thinks that they are in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and we have so many other people who um, 
want to troll them and people can get flipped out kind of um philip was talking about in the last podcast that he had a student who he wasn't sure about his political affiliations but he would go into different chat rooms and he would sort of stir the pot and just sit back and watch it go ah so that was kind of so (laughs) they do have jobs for that right like that's (laughs) what is it political pundits or you know um yeah on a you know, political talk shows and stuff. Right. Right. And so, but you know, I mean, if you wanted to do something like that, there's stuff to do. Um, I think that the internet has actually opened up so many different platforms that people can perform on in a sense. And in a way they are performing. I mean, I don't know what else you would call it. Yeah. Right. I think my first thought is just like, you know, but then there's that kind of, the value and or contributing to society, you know? Right. Do we, I don't know. That's probably going like too far into the weeds a bit, right? Like, do I need all these influencers to tell me well, about stuff? I, you know, is, that a, is that meaningful and gives you life's purpose? I don't know. Well, what I'm thinking is people are looking at influencers and they are a set, they're, they're a form of entertainment. Yes. The news yeah. is a form of entertainment because we're listening to people's to opinions for the most part now. I mean, there's no real such thing as unbiased news anymore because everybody wants their opinion to come out. Mm-hmm. So, right. opinion is viewed the same as a fact. Exactly. And because because so and so said this and so da 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 da. And I'm angry because so-and-so said that and they're just da-da-da. Or mm-hmm. how dare you say that because so-and-so said this and yeah. that's what the truth is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much what's going on. But I think it's, I think when we come down to the social context about what education is, I think that's the most important part. Being an influencer? No. no I know. <laughs> I'm no, just <laughs> you just wanted to see my face, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that if we can learn how to socialize and we can learn how to take in facts and not, I don't know, do, I think social emotional learning has taught us something, but Outside the context of school, how many students actually pay attention to it with the, with the breathing and thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of working on the anxiety. Right, right. Because nobody wants to be wrong. However, why aren't we, why doesn't everybody want to be learning rather than looking at it as a right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Because we have so many people screaming absolutisms at us. Right. Either you're here or you're not. Right. You're for it or against it. You're with me right. or against me. It's true or it's false. Yeah. And I don't think that's healthy in education. I think that health, that education should be a place for students to explore. And yes, I believe that CTE is really important. And I think that, um, well, the program that I am, that I've left, um, we did a lot of tra- 
we did a lot because the students would go out and serve internships with different businesses in the community. Mm -hmm. So they're learning from the community and it involves them. It goes back to pre-compulsory education mm -hmm. where students were doing apprenticeships, where they were working, where they were learning from other people and mentors. And possibly in a schoolhouse, they were getting some of the basic facts where they would learn how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, do all the other things, um, read, write. Uh, looking at my grandmother's Spanish book, that was probably more pithy and had more in it than my college textbook for French. Huh. That is and, interesting. And now I listen to the French and the Spanish classes, and I'm thinking they're doing things that we did like in the first month or two. And they've been doing it all year. Oh. So, so it makes me very curious oh, like in many how, ways. How it's changed. How it, how it really has changed. I mean, they are learning many, many things that we didn't. And we didn't have Google Translate. We didn't have <laughs> YouTube. Right. Rosetta Stone and all those fun things. Oh, yeah. We had none of that because computers were, um, I think my high school got a computer at when I was a senior. And I remember that the Museum of Science and Industry had a computer and it was a big hit because everybody went up and it was like this ginormous uh, right. Typewriter. Right. <laughs> and it was really kind of cool. And so we just kind of looked at it. And one of my, one of my best friends in grade school, um, he later, he was, he was just, he was just a science whiz. His whole family was really into sciences. Um, and he has a very sweet position at one of the top universities. He was a nuclear physicist. Oh, uh -huh. so. So See, a real dum-dum. You just, dum -dum. You just <laughs> don't know what people are going to do, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of other people, I mean, there are students who, there were people I knew from grade school and into high school who went on to, somebody called me and we were talking. They said, how is it that the kids who weren't doing as well in school are the wealthiest kids from our school? And I said, maybe because they learned how to work really, really hard to get what they needed. And they weren't afraid of hard work. And they figured out a system so that they could keep plugging along. And they yeah. didn't quit. Yeah, they figured out a system that worked for them that mm -hmm. may not have been the, the traditional educational system, right? Right. And maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it has to do with being... Um, with mindset, maybe it has something to do with grit. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has something to do with uh, what? What's that thing where if you tell students how how smart they are, mm -hmm. they tend to do worse going forward. Oh, you're developing like you know, teaching them to persevere and be resilient and right. And you say, you know what, you can do better than that. Let's yeah. keep going. Let's keep going. The problem with that portion is my mother used to tell us we would feel like we had just climbed an incredible summit and mm -hmm. we were up there and people would maybe give us kudos and my parents would say huh i think you can do better it's like why is it never enough yeah, never good enough 
And, you know, you hear that and people just really resent it. Um, But what it did was it taught us not to be satisfied with second best. Mm -hmm. And always to try to do the best that we can. Like to keep working at something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you, because what do you do once you've achieved your goal? Right. If that is the be all end all, then yeah, then what's next? Right. Right. And if you think about, um, there's a quote from from Evita, the oh. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Tim Rice. And it's, I, it, I can't remember exactly what it is, <laughs> but how does it, I think Shay Guevara says, how does it feel now that you've achieved everything you've ever wanted? Because that's, it cuts mm-hmm. two ways. Yeah. It's wonderful, but then what have you got to strive for? Yeah, what's what's the next purpose of for you know, what's your next life's purpose mm-hmm. or your next goal? So does education okay, so let's we've got the social <laughs> aspect and we want to go to because we talk about ambition. And maybe ambition comes from wanting to know more about something. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Yeah. And wanting I, to prove that you can do something. It's more of a challenge. I think for many students, yeah, right? Like you're you're encouraging them to try and you know, and push themselves and be competitive against themselves, or maybe sometimes competitive against other students in the class, mm-hmm. but right. And um, you know, you're pushing them to to do better right and to and have that have that intrinsic motivation as opposed to extrinsic motivation right you want to do better and learn more and you know find joy or meet that challenge as opposed to someone else saying you did great and then you're like woohoo that's enough for me right so mm-hmm. what is the what's the in we talked about that in my class a lot like what's the intrinsic motivation because sometimes the extrinsic is it's not that it's not valuable but sometimes it's it's um it's short-lived right like are you doing are you learning and doing well because you want to or because someone is going to praise you or reward you when you're done and some and a lot of times it's both right like let's Mm -hmm. be real like you work at a job because you enjoy it but getting paid is nice too so and getting good feedback yeah really yeah, nice and, as well and being recognized mm-hmm. and you know and i was um i had scanned an article it was i think from forbes right and they listed a lot of the kind of the same talk but and another one was um it kind of connects back to my first thing is the health and wellness like that's still a big purpose of education mm-hmm. um you're you know we talk about social emotional well-being um and you know, we require our kids to take health and we talk about nutrition all the time and, and mental health. And so a lot of times we are teaching students, that's a big part of school of, you know, what's driving you, what's healthy, what are healthy interactions with your peers, what's mm-hmm. healthy interactions with, you know, your supervisor or your teacher or grownups. Um, and so I think that's a lot that... I think that's so valuable in a, the purpose of a school 
And I think it's, I think families in the community recognize that at a young level, right? Like you learn how to be turn taking and be friends and, Mm -hmm. um, everything I ever learned, I learned in kindergarten. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm going to share, I'm going to, um, you know, be kind and wait my turn and be creative and all those kind of, you know, health and well-being. Um, and then at some point, for whatever reason, it changes into like, they need to do more math and they need to write a better essay. But you're like, you still need to be a good human and you still need to be kind. Mm-hmm. And um, you still also need to balance your learn how to balance things. Right. So I think that's a big purpose of school. That's sometimes think- hard to categorize, right? Like I can check yeah. that you passed your math test, check, but like, do I have, we don't give grades and were you a nice, kind, respectable um, citizenship? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, citizenship. Yes. Thank you. Right. Like the social, the SEL work. Mm-hmm. Do you think that by removing so much more recess, because they were so into driving the kids towards the tests and mm-hmm. and driving their instruction so that they could do better on the test. Do you believe that by withdrawing most, because then teachers were also using uh, recess as a punishment, where if the student wasn't doing something, they didn't get to go out to recess. But right, yeah, that was recess the is actually one of the most significant learning aspects mm-hmm. of school. Right. Um, even even in high school, I remember that we used to have we called it activity period. It'd be twenty minutes between oh. first and second period. And that was when maybe clubs would figure out when they were going to do something and it was time. Um, it was time for people to get together and socialize and they'd have like a mini lunch or snack or something like that, that people could have people could go out and play basketball. But it was, I mean, it was there for people to interact. And right. Right. Um, I think that's super valuable and necessary. Do we do that anymore, though? Or do we just have passing time where people can try to catch up with their friends and then they get in trouble because they're not in class in time? Right. Yeah, that's a hard And it also because... gives teachers a time to scramble for the loo. <laughs> right. I know. It's always funny when, you know, on the weekends you're like, oh, Hey, I have to go to the bathroom at the exact same time every time, which happens to be during <laughs> my break, right? Yeah. Hey. Um, so, yes, right. I mean, it's so hard at the high school level because if you give 2,000 plus kids, you know, extended break, are they all working on really positive <laughs> health and well-being? Not always, right? Well, hopefully if they've been, if they've been taught by their previous schools. Mm-hmm. And if their parents have been, you know, working with them, because right. schools cannot do the parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. They only have them true. for six hours a day. Right. No matter what level they're at. And schools are not a nanny. That's, it, it, yeah. Although, you know. So, yeah. I mean, they can try to do as much as they can. But mm-hmm. at what at what cost, though? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but what I'm thinking is 
we do so many different things at school. We have the academics. And is there a way for us to, how would we redesign education so that we had time for the socialization? Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that what we've determined so far through our conversation is that there's the social aspect, there's the training aspect, there Uh is the goal setting, the self-awareness aspect, um, and just basically learning how to cope, survive, and to be with others Mm -hmm. in a symbiotic coexistence. Um, I think it's so funny. I saw these people and they were driving down the street with one of those coexist stickers oh, on the right, back right. of their car. Yep. And they were screaming at people on the street. Okay. Oh, so ironic. <laughs> oh, um, but do we how do we teach that though? How do we teach all these things um and be effective and I'm not worried about test scores, but so that the students are effective learners and that they are actually generating the brain power in order to be able to survive and to go through and adapt mm-hmm. I, to whatever right. situation. Yeah, right. That's, you know, and that's where maybe those questions of, you know, especially at middle school, we need to have more um you know, you don't want like a full assemblies, but more of those kind of, for lack of a better phrase, those icebreakers or those brain breaks that we have. Like we do, I, we are still doing brain breaks in our class all the time because that's, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, the kids ask for them and, you know, ironically, maybe it's right before a test, whatever, but they are just so needed because they still need to figure out how to do all of like just what you said and so sometimes we'll do like um like yoga stretches and we're just moving right it's just getting that movement out and then sometimes we do those silly would you rather and sometimes it's just like tell us about what you think you're going to do over the summer and who's traveling and you know that's where all those behaviors kind of come through that we're we're teaching them and it doesn't feel like quote school like we're not Mm -hmm. educating you but surprise we are and also just like learning cool stuff about you um and those i you know that's such a big part of school at all levels but you know sometimes they get treated as not as valuable because there's not a grade attached to them but i sometimes think they are just if not more important than your traditional like curriculum right they go hand in hand you got to have both of them right because you mm-hmm. we've all had those people who are like they're super sometimes it's that phrase you know they're book smart but they're not street smart right have you ever heard that right. like they're yeah. super academic and super intelligent mm-hmm. and like but you know you can't you know but they interact. have no emotional intelligence Right. Or just sometimes those, you know, can you read a map? Do you know how to get from A? Can you give me directions on how to get from A to B and not use ways? Can you, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just do some of those real interactive, basic, real world experiences that's not academia? You know, you got to kind of, I think, need both. Both are valuable. Oh, yeah. And I remember meeting people in school, in university, and they had they had no concept. Mm-hmm. They weren't able, they would never be able to function outside of an academic setting. Right. Yeah. 
this, you know, no, you cannot take your break in the middle of your shift and not tell anybody, <laughs> right? Like that's just that you can't do that. You know, you mm -hmm. need to be able to, can you go to a grocery store and, you know, figure out what you need for a recipe and then with your budget in this amount of time and how do you store food and, you know, just some of those real basic stuff so that you don't get salmonella, you know, those kind of random yeah. things. Because there's a know. high possibility that some students don't have anybody to model that for them. Right. Yeah. And so um, I think the more of that kind of well-roundedness. So I feel mm -hmm. that's kind of the purpose of school. It's being the well-rounded. Oh, look, I'm wrapping it up. The well-roundedness aspect that goes beyond just the core academics. It's the whole thing so that we can send them out into the world as best we can. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think alternative schools provide a better platform for all of this than mainstream simply because of their sheer, uh, because of, because of their ability to keep things smaller? Because I know that. Yeah, for many. Yeah, right. You've got, it's smaller. You can have more of that relationship part you can teach them more of the real world skills um so i think in many ways yes i think alt ed can do a better job for a lot of students all of them because nope, but right but you still have the relational aspect mm -hmm. of it yeah and sometimes so, you can kind of wrap those in better like you can mm -hmm. show the connections sometimes quicker um, and especially like in some of the alt ed programs where you have internships, right? I can teach mm -hmm. you all about paychecks and um, mm -hmm. budgeting and saving and personal finance. Right. And I can, you know, squawk, squawk, squawk. But then like, oh, by the way, you're working right now. And you're like, oh, yeah, my paycheck's way smaller than I thought it was going to be. And how do I mm -hmm. fill out a W-2? And what does it mean when it's asking dependence? And you're actually doing it versus right. me just teaching you on a worksheet and interactive in my classroom. So the alt ed, I feel, has it because you you're, you know, you're living it. It has value and weight because they're experiencing it. So right, think, and a lot yeah. of students can. They they may fall into that alternative category. They just haven't been recognized, or mm -hmm. they, you know, they're still trying to struggle through. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they learn. They learn a lot, and many of them are more street smart. And right. they're bright. They're yes. bright. And just because they don't do well with the book mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they don't have the savvy yeah. to outcompete the smartest kid in the class. They're they're strong and they've got really strong skills in all these other categories that a lot of mm -hmm. times, unfortunately, in our traditional school settings don't have some sort of like grading system that shows up on a report card that seems to be valued more so than other areas and so right. that's that's some that is a deficit but it's unfortunate for a lot of our students because you're only viewed as having value in this one box but all this other stuff you're doing mm -hmm. oh that's not important because this is the only chunk that gets the grade attached to it so therefore that's the only place where there should be value and you're over here saying oh that's not true you know <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> What would be nice is if 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 schools could adapt themselves, if the teachers, and I know that there are some teachers who are fantastic at doing this, 
to adapt to their audience. So mm-hmm. that their delivery system could channel. So let's say that we're going to be talking about what themes, if they go with a thematic approach and the students could figure out what books they want to read in order to achieve that theme. Because mm-hmm. if you gave them a list of them, or maybe somebody else might be able to add to that list. And so you could constantly be working with that. And um, let's say it's an English class. So you're dealing with a theme and kid X comes in and you know that they have experience in this in a certain way. And you ask them to tell their story from this viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And if they could do right. that, then, you know, maybe you that go. might be something that would satisfy everything because otherwise one they're not motivated to they the the material is not as accessible because it doesn't make sense at that point because we have to remember too that their brains are not completely formed yes they're a gelatinous mess (laughs) that's so true and um they won't be formed for until they're 24 to 26 yeah you know in our family we used to joke that you're a house plant until you're 28 and then you start developing into a real person. <laughs> you're a house plant. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <sighs> something like that. Anyway, um, our time draws nigh. Yes. Yep. So I'm going to thank you. Yeah. This was a good one. Let's yeah. And it, I have a lot more questions. So yeah. we'll see what happens. And then next week, we're going to take on a different one that's still similar. Yeah. So we can bring something forward from this. So thank you, Christy. And to all of our listeners, we hope to see you next week. Don't forget to reach down and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think and give us your thoughts about anything. (laughs) Just let us know. Love hearing from you. Okay. And until then, Have a great week. Bye-bye.